Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Play USA. Powered by B-Solar. Creating custom solar panels to ensure you never face outrageous electricity bills ever again. Learn more at B.Solar. Welcome to another episode of Play USA. It was our intention to catch up with Aussie Josh Charlton, who is currently underway playing on the Futures Tour in Tunisia. For this episode, we have Queenslander Adam Walton, who has just graduated from the University of Tennessee, where he shares his highlights of his collegiate journey. Adam finished his college career ranked number two in the NCAA Division I national rankings. Why did you choose to play college tennis? As soon as I graduated high school, I thought that I was going to go pro and wasn't really considering college tennis. So this happened in November of 2016. And then I remember the next few months up until about March was pretty slow trekking. I didn't have the best results January, February and March. And then I was like, looking for other options to want to keep playing tennis. Um, but, you know, want to do maybe some education too, because I actually deferred uni at, um, at UQ in, in Brisbane to play tennis. And then I realized that, hang on, maybe I should get, get an education. And then, yeah, I was looking uh, to come to college because I thought it'd be a great fit. I'd already been in boarding school in grade 10, 11 and 12 in Brisbane. So I already had that exposure of having to, live by myself away from from home. Um, so I thought the transition to college would would fit me quite well. You've chosen the University of, of Tennessee. Were you looking at other colleges as well, or is that one that you always wanted to to go to? Yeah, I was I was I had a few in mind. Um, I obviously coming from Australia didn't know a whole heap about college tennis. Um, and funny enough, Tennessee wasn't ranked very good when I when I actually committed. We were ranked probably 40 in the country. Um, and due to my ITF rank, I could have gone to a, a lot of schools with better rankings. But uh, my coach uh, at the time at the National Academy, Chris Mahoney, he was uh, a player at Tennessee and uh, he was actually a, a head coach at one point at Tennessee. And so he really advised me to go to Tennessee in that direction. And he said, don't worry about where the, the team is ranked right now. Just go there and a lot can change. And, you know, I've been here Played five years of college tennis and our last two years we were a top five team in the country. So we were we, you know, we were competing for national titles, which was which was awesome. The first point of getting to college was for your coach um, back in Australia, Chris Mahoney. I guess that was the first point. You didn't have to, you know, a lot of kids go through uh, like an agent, like a recruiting site. Um, but it sounds like, you know, with with your coach Chris um, doing it himself, that was sort of your initial contact of getting to the Tennessee coach. Yeah, so the Tennessee, uh, they have a long tradition with Australians on the team. Uh, and that's also another decision that made it easier. I had a, uh, two mates at the time. One was from Toowoomba. Uh, he'd just gone there and then another one from Perth. Um, so they were both on the team and they were both, you know, helping me through and 
really said, you know, Tennessee would be a great fit for me. And, you know, I, I wanted to go somewhere where I knew, I knew a guy as well. And, you know, I knew a place like Tennessee at the start, I would, I would have that uh, stress taken off of the line of getting in the lineup by, you know, we were a team that wasn't very good. Whereas if I had went to a school that was, you know, t- top 10 in the country at that given time, there was no guarantee that I'd play in the lineup my first year. That's a great thing that you're already thinking about going into college. You know, a lot of a lot of kids are like, yeah, I want to go to the highest ranked schools. But, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, you want to be sure that you want to play. So sometimes it's better to go to a lower ranked school, improve and then get the team up to a higher ranking. I think that's, you know, that's the way to go. But when you started out, I know you were mentioning your ITF ranking. Um, UTR has been, a, you know, a really controversial topic, especially here in Australia. Was it back in 2016? Was that something that um, the your coach at the, the moment, Chris Woodruff, was that something that he looked at? Or was it, was it more of your ITF and national ranking? Yeah, UTR at the time, my whole freshman year, the universities really weren't even looking at that. Like the, it hadn't really gotten big, but then it just, it exploded my second year. My second year in college, all the coaches shifted instead of looking at like uh, other metric, other like uh, like ITF rank. And I know they, they got like a tennisrecruiting.com um, for the US people and they have like blue chips, five stars, whatever. I know UTR then become a much more reliable metric for these college coaches to go by. But in my recruiting process, that really didn't have an impact because it was just, it was too long before UTR got big. And so after you signed for, uh, for, to be a volunteer, what sort of academic um, processes did you have to go through? Was it an SAT, ACT, subject selection, that sort of thing? I got an OP4. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's a, the Queensland system at the time. Uh, the high school system in grade 12, you finish with an OP anywhere from one to 25. And so one being the best. So I got a four, which was pretty good. Um, and so then they looked at that. So all my transcripts were converted over. From there, I took a SAT. Um, I didn't take the ACT. I took the SAT. I didn't have to do the essay portion. I just did the, the English and math. Um, and from there, my scores were good enough to, to do engineering because that's the major that I, I don't really know. I think Tennessee didn't have very high standards that I had to reach in the SAT. Um, I could have got it into like an easier, an easier major, but I chose to do engineering when I came into college. And then I realized after my first semester that uh, that was something that I didn't want to continue because it was very hard to balance the workload with trying to, you know, be a college student and also with all the tennis commitments that was just something uh, it wasn't really working out so then I changed to kinesiology where I got my undergrad degree in kinesiology and after the process of all the academic requirements as you were just alluding to how was like the visa process I know your hometown is home hill I'm not, I'm not sure if you were living um, in a in a bigger city but with the U.S. consulates there's one in Melbourne one in Sydney and obviously the embassy in, in Canberra so how was that with the traveling yeah, it, it was annoying. So I was actually, once I'd graduated from high school, I lived in Brisbane with my brother and not Home Hill. But even Brisbane for the, the size it is, doesn't have a US consulate. So I ended up getting all the paperwork ready. And then I had to make the trip down to Sydney to get my F1. I was fortunate enough to have everything that I needed, except I remember there was, I had an incorrect passport photo size. I had the Australian size, not the US size. However, it must be a common problem and that they had a photo store that would take camera, uh, pictures right on the spot and print them right next to the embassy. So I was able to get that 
done before my appointment because I rocked up very early and it ended up just being a day trip. I remember I left in the morning, flew down, got it all done, had a, an appointment around lunchtime and then flew back that afternoon. Yeah. But it, it was painful. It's, it's annoying that there is not a US consulate in Brisbane. For sure. Yeah, I know a lot of other kids, especially kids out in Perth, um, Northern Territory, they got, they got to fly to the eastern part of the part of Australia, really. But I guess growing up in a home to, uh, in Home Hill, you know, a small country town in our far north Queensland, did you have much of you know how was the training for you? I know you said you were living with your brother in Brisbane. Um, there's a lot of facilities in the Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, but. How was it from you being a, being a country boy? It was difficult. We, me and my, I have an older brother, a year and a half older, who really helped me in my younger stages because, I mean, we played a lot of different sports growing up, but also him being, you know, a year and a half older, he was always just a little bit better, a, l- a little bit better at every sport. And so I always had something to chase and we were very, very competitive. And so we were always practicing, uh, using each other to get better. Um, the level was good and like up until I was 10 because we could hit with older guys uh, in Home Hill. But then, you know, you reach a certain point where you then become a 10, 11 year old having to verse adults to, you know, get, get competition. All through 10 to 14, we'd have to make regular trips to Brisbane to play kids our own age. But then once we were 14, we got the uh, a scholarship to go to Churchy, a uh, very prestigious private school in Brisbane. So he went first when he went to grade 10. And then I went, went the following year when I was in grade 10. Now, did your brother go to college as well or has it just been you? No, just me. He sort of fell out of tennis after he left, after he finished playing for the school. He just didn't really enjoy tennis that much. But it's something that had he had his time again, he really, after seeing what I've been able to do, he would have loved to have gone to college and, and done that. We see, we see a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of talent that um, could go to the U.S. and, and, and you know, continue their um, collegiate tennis career because, you know, when you're 18, if you're an 18-year-old, 18, you know, 19-year-old kid in Australia, you've got two options. You can either, you know, uh, defer uni, play futures, um, and then, you know, later on you can get an education. Or, I mean, what do you do? It's either travel or um, you're kind of left with, you know, either or. So that was another like decision of wanting to go to college because I didn't want to give my tennis up despite not having a great, you know, for three couple of months. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to keep holding my education because I felt like I'd already deferred my uni degree. I like I needed to get something, something rolling. I didn't want to just keep trying to pl- play on the future too. I knew that I wasn't, my body wasn't developed enough to, to compete with these, these men. And, you know, that's the best thing about college is you have four or five years to, you know, get a lot stronger, get a lot more match play. And you do it all in an environment where it's not, you know, the, uh, the university is able to help you out financially. So you're not at a significant loss in terms of having to travel the world and, and come out a loss if you're not performing. And going on the University of Tennessee, you know, men's tennis website, you've played you know, over like 160 matches and over five years. Now, if you're going to do that in futures, you'd be having to play 25, 30 tournaments, you know, per year. I mean, the financial um, cost of that compared to actually playing, you know, for a team is just, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, everybody's different. But well, take us to the campus, Adam, um, in, in Knoxville, at the University of Tennessee. In terms of um, tennis courts, um, training facilities, cafeteria, obviously that's not a facility, but it's a big part of your 
college life. Take us through that whole college space. It was eye-opening coming to on my visit here because, you know, I'd seen uh, the universities back in UQ and QUT, all the ones around Brisbane, and it's just like nothing compared to here. Here was just, I got over here and I remember the first day walking into that football stadium, bigger than the MCG, and it's like, uh, college athletes play here and it's like wow this is huge the indoor facility of ours just blew my mind with all the all american banners and and everything the big seating uh, even after five years i can say we've got one of the nicest indoor facilities in the country we have six good outdoor courts we have great stands uh that can watch courts one and two pr- like very well because they're right behind them uh, it's a little harder to see five and six, but you can still watch them from the side. But we have six courts there. The first two years I lived in the dorm, which was right in the middle of campus. So walking distance to the cafeteria, walking different uh, distance to classes and walking distance to tennis, which was just huge because you didn't need a car. You didn't need an electric scooter. You didn't need any of that. And we always would eat in the uh, athletic dining hall, which was like two minutes from the dorm in the athletic building, which, yeah, it was very cool. They they offer a a bunch of different uh, foods that are moderately healthy. Um, obviously because it's for athletes but then I remember my freshman my freshman year we would eat dinner at the cafeteria which was just open for all students however you have to sort of like watch what you eat and I didn't really know that going in that you know my first couple of months trying to figure stuff out I was I was eating pizza and and stuff not so healthy uh, for the first couple of months you know once I sort of cleaned up my diet and my off-court habits a little bit in the spring, I really saw my tennis lift off. It's amazing how much I was able to learn that off-court habits matter. And yeah, I think that's one thing that really helped me um, excel in my, my uh, college career is, you know, eating the right way and, you know, starting to train the right way as well. Yeah, it's certainly important, um, especially as yourself, you did a kinesiology uh, degree. So I'm not sure if you took some nutrition classes in that space. Yeah, for sure. I took a bunch of nutrition classes and had to take uh, exercise classes just to, like they were required in the course. And, you know, it was a very fitness orientated masters for sure. Now, Tennessee has a rich Australian history. You know, JP Smith played there. How has having Australians on the team adjust to the college life and the, and the culture of being uh, in the U.S.? It, it is for sure makes it easy in the sense that I came into college having two uh, at the time, Ryan Smith and Scott Jones. I had two friends that I was able to just instantly be able to hang with the whole time. And then from them, because they'd already been here, they'd developed a, a friend group outside of the, the tennis that then I was able to become friends with. And so you can expand because of them. And then that's one thing that I helped Pat do. When Pat come over here the year after, he, I was already, you know, already been in Tennessee for a year. And I was able to, you know, help him out. And I just feel like having that person that I really knew helped a lot because I've seen kids come in from another country where no other, they don't know anyone in the university and they kind of struggle a little bit at the start, uh, just, you know, forming that that relationship with the team and, and other people around campus. What was the biggest culture shock for you? Not just coming to the US, but Tennessee, you know, you're in the South which is a different culture, you know, as we all know within itself. The food was very, uh, was very different. And then like during football game days, just seeing the whole tailgating uh, just in the, in the back of their trucks and everything was, was a big culture change. Um, yeah. It's probably that in the food, I would say like the food they try, they put, they make a casserole out of anything in the South. You have, you know, you have beans, they'll put it in a casserole. You have mashed potato, they'll make a mashed potato casserole. You have anything. Don't make a casserole out of it. Have you ever been to uh, uh, 
a Thanksgiving to another American uh, and they just have casseroles like all the way down and you just yeah yeah we had an American on the team from Nashville my first two years I went to his place for Thanksgiving and then obviously my last three years I've had uh, my girlfriends so I've gone to her family and they're huge on casseroles as well and we just get fed it's an absolute beefing station for a week Now, in recent years, many top NCAA players who finished inside the top 10 are now playing on the ATP. You know, you see uh, players like Nuno Borges, who finished at Mississippi State, Maxine Cressy, who was at uh, UCLA. You finished your collegiate career ranked at number two. Um, is playing on the t- ATP tour something you're striving towards um, in future months? Yeah, so goal number one right now is to graduate from my master's in the first, I finished August 9th with that. So I'm playing a few futures, but it's kind of a little bit of a hit or miss um, this summer with how much I can play because of school. And then as soon as I've graduated uh, in August, I can then amp up um, my schedule. I'm coming home to play the, the Australian futures starting uh, September 12th. There's like two in Darwin, then a week off, then two in Cairns. Um, and then depending on how I've gone in them, I may stay longer. Uh, in Australia, there's I know there's some challenges and some futures later on. Or if not, I'll then, as soon as they're done, uh, head out of Australia and go uh, somewhere else to keep playing futures because I just want to try play, you know, as much as I possibly can um, in the first 12 months to really see if I can meet my, my tennis goals and then I'll reevaluate from that. Now, you guys just played the national tournament. Um, where, where was that um, located? That was- that was in Champaign, Illinois, the University. Yeah, of Illinois. That's right. That's and how did you, you guys? I think you guys lost in the semis against was it Virginia? You guys played. Yeah, we lost in the semis. Now, is that the highest that you guys have done as a team, or it, since you've been there? Yeah, we the year before we also uh, made the semis and lost to Baylor last year. We lost four two in about four hours. Compared to this year, we actually we lost four zero. It was yeah, Virginia just were very hot at the right time. They chopped everyone in Illinois and took took away the national title, yeah. Yeah, I, I, the NCAA tournament is one of the reasons that we all, you know, you, you train and you, um, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why you go to college. What's one of the most memorable matches that you've had? I'm sure it's been at, the, at one of the NCAA national tournaments. My sophomore year, I clinched the match to go uh, to the Sweet 16, which our team hadn't done for in about four years. Um, so at the time, that was a pretty big result for us and, and, and me as a, I felt, you know, the feeling you get obviously clinching a match for your team to send them to the Sweet 16 was pretty good. Uh, then my senior year, my fourth year there, I clinched the match 4-3 against Arizona to send us to the Elite Eight. That was a great feeling because it was like 40 degrees in Orlando, Florida playing that match. This year, I came back from, I was playing one of the best guys in the country at the time. Well, he was one of the best players in the country from Baylor in the quarterfinals. And we were down 3-2 and I was down 5-3 in the third set. And I came back to win that 7-5 to, to get the team to 3-all. And then our freshman who was winning in the third set, was able to keep winning and win his third set to clinch that match. That was also a great feeling. They're probably my most memorable NCAA team matches, for sure. And the ones that you're you know, you mentioning, you're playing for the team, right? Like, you, you get them through the line versus, you know, when you're playing uh, by yourself and you're playing Futures or you're playing the Challengers, as you know, it's all for you. What sort of other attributes, apart from, you know, playing tennis, have you gotten out of 
your collegiate career? Yeah, you learn pretty uh, quickly uh, to become a team player. It doesn't matter whether you play line one singles or you sit on the bench and cheer. Everyone plays a role and it's an important role, whatever role that that is. And then you don't, you've got to not be, uh, I learned to be very like not selfish. If the coach, you know, wants to put a certain guy lower in the lineup, despite them, you know, might have a higher UTR or might be playing better at the time. Just you've got to trust what the coach wants to do. The team comes before yourself. That's probably the, the biggest takeaway I've learned from college tennis is, you know, how, how to become an effective team member. Because obviously the team chemistry and, and, and the team is, is much more valuable. I would take losing singles, losing doubles, but the team win so much more than me just individually winning the team, my team match, but we end up losing the dual match. It's a better feeling if I'd lost in the team one rather than the other way around. So many life lessons, doesn't it? Because, you know, tennis, we're not always going to be playing for the rest of our lives, but it teaches you how to be coachable, how to be employable, how to run a business one day. I mean, there's so many things that tennis, you know, teaches us in the long run, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. Kind of run out of time. Um, all the best um, for the future. I know you're going to come to Australia at the end of the year. All the best with your you know, playing futures and tennis career. Appreciate it. And there we have it. Thank you to Adam for joining us on the July edition of Play USA. You can listen to our podcast anytime, anywhere through your preferred podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or visit thefirstserve.com.au. Stay tuned for the next edition of Play USA. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, Read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.